all right hello and welcome just to family this is giving you something to talk about or just alive tv i am melissa kretschler your host and the creator of just alive tv today we're going to be talking about a very taboo subject and before i get into what that is because most of you probably already know i'm going to talk about our sponsors so i'm going to do something a little bit different today with our sponsor because i am pumped about our sponsor today so our sponsor is our co-host chrissy Chrissy and Leonard, hopefully, perfect. So I'm gonna read you a little synopsis of her book and it's actually part of a trailer that she did for the book. And even for me, I'm just like, I need to read this book now. So for anybody listening, just listen to this quickly. Meet Willetta, the letter finder. Her busy life drew her away from God. Will the letters draw her back to him? Meet Faith, private investigator and Willetta's best friend. Will she answer Willetta's pleas to find Joseph, a boy missing his mom and needing a friend? Christina, a dad, a daddy's girl struggling with abandonment. Katerina, caught deep in the pain and despair of miscarriage. Zachary, eating his way through pain only to become a food addict. Adam, who loves images of women more than his wife. What happens when a letter you wrote in a time you want to forget appears on your doorstep in the hands of two strangers? That is the synopsis to the book that she's offering you. So if you want to buy a signed copy of Letters to My Father by our co-host, Chrissy Ann Leonard, um, she has coupon code for $3 off. It's live TV. That's all you have to put in the coupon code. Link in the description. Please go and check out that book. I'm going to be reading that book myself. So make sure that you go check that book out. Um, for anybody watching or catching the replay, please go like, follow, and share the show on whatever social platforms you are on. We are on just about all of the main social media platforms. Please go and bring up our, our TikTok and LinkedIn accounts so that we can start streaming live to those two and follow our newsletter or join our newsletter, I should say, so that you can know what's upcoming and what's coming up next. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Chrissy, to introduce yourself before we get into this topic. <clears throat> Hi, Melissa. I'm so great to be here. How about that little description? I don't know if I would want to get my own letter, <laughs> let alone read other people's letters. That's kind of like, woo. <laughs> but I'm Christiane Leonard. I am from Reynoldsburg, Ohio in the United States. And I am an author, as you said, and I am excited to talk about this topic today. We are going into taboo land and I am all down for that. <laughs> Oh, we so are. Too. I say we just jump in and get it done. If you have a link to the book, you can read all about that. Everything's on the website. Let's just get going on this topic. So as most of you can see from, from watching Christy and I, we are all smiles. Now the topic we're talking about is not all smiles. It's horrible. It's terrifying. It is life altering and it is highly traumatic. What we're smiling about is the ability that, that Just Alive is bringing today mm -hmm to bring you this show's topic. We are talking about what it means to survive sexual assault. And Chrissy and I were talking right before the episode about there's, there is, you, you can be a survivor of sexual assault, but you have to survive being a survivor. There are a lot of things that happen after you have been assaulted the people don't talk about they don't talk about these things and that's really what we're getting to, we're getting to today is talking about the things that people don't talk about what happens after you have been sexually assaulted and that's what we're going to talk about today so i'd like to make sure everybody knows we are not going to um there's no offense there's no judgment there's no shame or blame for anybody who has been a victim of sexual assault for anybody who knows anybody who's been a victim of sexual assault, I would like to start this episode off by saying a few things. Number one, mm -hmm. it is not and never has it ever been your fault. Correct. Number two, you are not alone. Number three, it does not matter what you were wearing, whether you put yourself in that situation, it does not matter a single thing. No means no. no. And if you aren't capable of saying no, the no should already be implied. So start that off right there. We do not advocate, nor do we can, can whatever. We do not, no. no, we do not condone. That's the word I was looking for, sexual assault in any way, shape or form. No. And it is not the victim's fault. So 
Christy, um, you and I both have stories about varying degrees of sexual mm -hmm. assault. Um, you know, and, and sexual assault isn't always, isn't always rape. And I'm, I'm going right. to say that word. So feel mm -hmm. free to, to say that word. If anybody wants to jump in and ask some questions, feel free. Um, but you and I both have varying degrees of sexual assault right. and mm -hmm. let's share our stories to give context to why we have the ability to speak on this. So if you'd like to go ahead and start, please feel free. Sure. Well, one of the first things I want to say that gets lost in this taboo world is rape and sexual assault is just not limited to women. It does happen to men too. I think that's part of the, the stigma that goes along with everything. So I just wanted to get that out of, yeah. out of the way first. Like that's a big thing. Like it's just not for women, yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens to men too. And I think that's a lot of the problems that we have with the stigma. So I have varying degrees you know I know rape um when I was raped I knew my perpetrator um and then years later I was sexually assaulted in front of my house and um I would say for me that one was much harder because I did not know the person and I was at a community picnic and it was getting dark and I realized I had not locked my house and you know, I'm really kind of anal about that. Like if I'm not in there, I want it locked because I don't want to walk in and someone be in my house. And so I went down to my house. I did not grab my cell phone. I didn't grab anything, not even my actual keys because I was just going to put my hand in and lock it and then pull it. And it was dark. It was getting dark and it was a bad decision. And so I was at my door and instantly the hairs on the back of my neck started to stand up and I was just like, oh crap, somebody's here. And, you know, I didn't see the person. They came out across the street from behind a parked van. And when I turned around to see if, you know, you know, that's your radar. I didn't know if it was a friend or it was not a friend. And when I turned around, I was backed up against my house pinned there with the you know the arm to the throat and you know I had taken classes I had known police officers so I knew everything to do but quite honestly in that moment it was the deer in the headlights look I just completely forgot everything I forgot how to defend myself I forgot how to scream well I really couldn't talk because he had me pinned against my throat and so it was just, I was pinned there and his knee was jamming up against in between my legs. And I'm thinking to myself in my head, if we go inside of my house, one of us is coming out, one isn't coming out and I'm not sure which one that's going to be. And so he was, you know, saying lewd things in Spanish. And I know that because I had tutored in Spanish for 12 years. So I knew what he was saying and they were very, very lewd. And, you know, he's licking my face, licking my, uh, my neck, fondling me. And I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, get it together, get it together. You know what to do. But the whole body was frozen and it, it was just, and I knew in my head, like, this is bad. And if we go inside the house, it's even worse when we get in there because you don't know if you're coming out or if you're going to make it and just, you know, he's in the middle of this and, and I am so frozen that it's actually hard for him to move me down the wall. <laughs> so that might've been the benefit of me being frozen there. And just out of the blue, my neighbor comes driving home, um, looking for something that coincidentally was actually in the car. And, uh, he ran off thankfully before he could, you know, do any penetration or anything like that but I was heavily bruised and I typical went and locked my door, went back down to where the party was and was just like, I'm, I'm just not saying anything, but these people knew me. So they instantly knew something had happened. And my friend called me into another room and he said, what is happening? And I told him and they never found the person. And um, I didn't call the cops that morning or that day because I had severe trust issues with cops at that time um, based on other experience that I had. And so I just cried myself to sleep, like literally fetal position, crying, screaming. 
and my both of my cats were there and it's like oh you know they try to love you the best they can and so I remember the next morning I got up to call my sister because I said I can't go to church you know that's what's on my mind first thing in the morning like what I'm not supposed to do in my daily programming and so I said I can't come to church today and she said why and I said you know, some guy tried to rape me last night and I'm bruised. And, and all I heard was she dropped the phone. She screamed for her husband and he got on the phone and he said, you know, lock the doors. Don't let anybody in till I get there. And, you know, he's a Italian New Yorker. So he's just, (laughs) you know, he's ready to rumble when it comes. And so we, he got there and I had phoned the cops at that time and they sent someone out. And the cop comes in and my brother-in-law is standing there. And the guy says to me, what did you do to bring this upon yourself? And I was like, you know what? I already feel like a piece of garbage. And now you're making me feel like it's my fault. And that is going to stay with me for years because I am so analytical that I just run everything back over. You know, I have a photographic memory, so they don't go away. And so for a really long time, that's, I remembered that more than what happened to me. And so they filed a police report, the sexual assault people contacted me, and they never ever found the person. It turns out that right down the road from me and two other apartment complexes, there were frat parties. And they're just like, we're sorry. And so then you, you know, you have to learn how to live with yourself without having to look over your shoulder all the time. And, uh, you know, I was pretty beat up. I was bruised very badly on my throat and on my legs and on my arms. But more for me, man, it was the mental and emotional bruising because, you know, the bruises on your body will fade. They'll go away. But the other two, they don't leave. They yeah. just don't leave. And for me, that was harder than the actual rape that I had in my 20s that just, and that was full blown. But, you know, I knew the person and I just didn't do anything. So, but yeah, it was harder. It was actually harder. The lesser one was the harder one to get over. Yeah. There's a couple points I want to make to your story. And, mm-hmm. and for anybody watching, if you've listened to Chrissy's story about, about her experience, the first thing she says is I should have known mm-hmm. that we don't should have known them. Right okay yeah your but your the hair stood up on the back of your leg of your neck and that's fine your body was telling you you knew at that point right mm-hmm. we don't we can't control other people's no. actions we can't control what people decide to do or where they decide to go or you know our choices are are in one moment they're a choice mm-hmm. and we don't a lot of the time we don't have a lot of thought to make that choice in that moment the second thing that you mentioned and this is these are very com common victim mentalities right and Mm -hmm. we said we talked about victim mentality yesterday yep when you've been victimized absolutely you still sit in victim mentality there's Mm -hmm. you know but you get it you get a choice how long that how long that lasts right um but at the same time so the first statement that you made and and very common for sexual assault is um i should have known yeah. Right. Very <laughs> yeah. common, but completely misguided. Yeah. It took me right? years to like yeah. learn, like actually the, you really wouldn't have known. <laughs> the second like, I knew one, somebody was there. Yeah. The but. second one was the fact that you froze. Now you can have all of the training in the world. Mm-hmm. Look at how many um, people in the military, look at how many police officers, look at how many very strong, successful bodybuilders, all of that have experienced sexual assault. Your mm-hmm. size, your stature, your knowledge of self-defense, none of that matters in the moment, right? There, right. there are situations that you just can't get out of. And we have the fight or flight mode, but a lot of the time we freeze, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when you're analytical, it's even more so because then you're like, all these thoughts, what do I do? What do I, do? I know what to do, but how do I do this? Like what, right. It, there's, it's, it's a brain stutter. Your, your brain mm-hmm. and your body shut down because you've now anticipated that. Oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> shit's about to go down. Right. right. And yep. that's all you can think about. 
Yeah. Right. Um, the other thing is uh, the cop, obviously, right? That yeah. Like <laughs> society, and that's why I'm saying the the I should have known, mm-hmm. right? And the I just froze and I should have done something. Yeah. Those are conditioned thoughts. Those aren't yeah. thoughts that we naturally just go to. No. Those are conditioned thoughts because it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. If you are sexually assaulted, the norm is to be ridiculed. The norm is mm-hmm. to be rejected. You were talking about before the show, and I'll let you explain that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you treated like after a sexual assault? This, I would say this is probably one of the things that pisses me off the most. I'm, I'm just going to say it. You know, we celebrate so much survival as a society. We celebrate people that survive diseases and car accidents but we do not celebrate people that survive sexual assault. You are treated like a leper. And let me tell you something, people, leopards were healed in the Bible. So you can be healed, but that is every time that just gets my fire boiling that you are just like a leper, like, you know, it's the whole victim mentality. We've talked before. I don't, I don't do victim mentality. It took me a long time to learn about victim mentality, but we sensationalize and glorify being a victim as a society, especially here in the States. You know, that's all you hear. You don't hear about what it takes to survive and what it takes to be successful in your life when you've had such a traumatic thing. And that is just, that's why I say this is such a taboo subject. People don't want to go there. They know it happens. They don't want to talk about it. They want, they want to know about it. They don't want to learn about it until they see someone that says, well, that happened to me. Like I get that comment. It's one of the most comments I ever hear when I start talking about this is people say, I would have never guessed that happened to you. And I'm like, why? Because I have my life together. Like, you know, you know, as much about a person as they're willing to tell you. And sometimes certain things do not require you to speak about other things. You know, if you're there speaking about something else, you wouldn't naturally talk about it. But I always thought of it as why would you not want to speak about it? So people that it's happening to now or has happened to that are stuck in the victim mentality, that they can see someone who has made it and be like, oh, you know, if that person made it, I could make it too. Because, you know, seeing is believing in this day and age. People have to see to believe. So sometimes you're called to step into very uncomfortable situations and visit very painful portions of your past so you can be a guiding light to other people. In this subject, I have no problem being that light. You know, that's my life verse. (laughs) Uh, Matthew 5, 14 is my life verse. And so I'm like, hey, if it has to be done, you know, I can do it. You know, I spoke at uh, SARN, a sexual assault response network in Delaware, Ohio. I did their take back the night. And I remember as I was prepping for that the night before, my sister took me to dinner and I said, I don't know if I can do this. Like I'm getting in front of these college students and I'm talking to them about what happened and how to get on. And she said, well, if it's not you, then who is it? And that just instantly clicked with me. Like if you're, you've survived, you know, you should talk about it. Other people need to hear it. They need to know how to survive and get through. It's not easy. You know, we've talked about that. It is not an easy journey, nope. but I agree with a statement you made. You are a victim when it happens to you. How long you want to stay in that mentality is your choice. That's where you can take the power back. And you know, that's one of the, no, oh my gosh, no, nope. no. And that's where, hearing from other people who have experienced it, that helps. Um, Therapy, counseling, you know, um, working with somebody like me. Now I don't, I'm not a medical professional. So obviously I I can't, you know, pertain to working with people with PTSD, but I do know your mind. I do Mm -hmm. know your mind. And I do know how to change any trauma into a positive. And not to say that I want anybody to experience that trauma, but right. look at the statistics. One in three women will be sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. It's right? crazy. At least you look mm-hmm. at, um, I was talking about sex trafficking the other day with my husband. I'm weird. Um, I'm a very eclectic <laughs> reader. Um, 
So I was on TikTok the other day and I saw this woman do, please read the synopsis before you read these books. And she did like book talk, right? Right. And so she highlighted these books. And in one of these books, it was a woman who, she was an author, Mm -hmm. a successful author. And uh, she was being stalked and she fell in love with her stalker. Mm. It was like this whole thing. And I was like, hey, that's kind of interesting. And then um, he was an assassin who killed sex traffickers mm. and rescued the women and children and the, like mm-hmm. the boys, the men, women, and right. children. And so she got involved in this and she ended up getting, you know, um, kidnapped and, ra- and raped Ugh. multiple times. And <sighs> I turned to my husband and I said, like in the book, you heard about her fears. You heard about everything that happened to her. You heard, you know, how, what she thought after mm-hmm. and she really did. The author really did a very good job getting into the head of a victim. And I turned to my husband later that night and I said, if anything ever happened to me and I was in a situation like that, what would you still love me? Would you still want me? Like what? Oh. Right. And that's, and the reason I bring that up is because that's another thing. If you're a partner, if you have a partner, whether that's a husband, a wife, whatever, and you've been sexually assaulted, there is this gigantic fear of telling your partner, right? Because the worry is number one, that you're going to be blamed. Mm -hmm. Number two, that you're going to be ridiculed, rejected, Mm -hmm. um, torn apart and just abandoned by the person you yep. need the most so you don't tell anybody yep right will How, they still love me yep I watch I watch special victims unit I have watched every right. of the 23 week seasons of Marissa <laughs> I love her my husband is actually has like a, a crush on her um but I have watched religiously every season of special victims yeah unit. and it just, I love the advocacy of the show. I love the fact that she fights for them. I love the fact that they highlight truly what victims go through mm-hmm. and the mentality. Yeah. So, but there is so many, how many people on even that show say, don't tell my husband, please don't tell mm-hmm. my partner, please don't yeah. tell my, whatever that looks like, don't tell them. And it's like, mm-hmm. you should though, like, yeah, I think for me, I can speak for myself, like a lot of it is shame. Like you play the shame game with yourself, shame, blame game. Um, you know, you do that and you just feel the shame. So, you know, I felt when I was assaulted that they just, they took in that moment, they took everything from me. I was a very outgoing person. I was not a fearful, not anxious, none of that. And after that happened, I was all of those things. (laughs) I was all of that. Like, you don't want them to know because one, you're afraid they won't love you. But I think for me, it was even more, I don't know how to love to the level that you need me to love you. You know, my experience with love has been tainted in pain and violence. And so you have to understand that sometimes, um, assault survivor cannot hit those levels of love that we're told as a society that you have to have that function. I have what I can give you and that has to be enough for you. If it isn't, it's just not going to work because I can't get there. Yeah. I just can't. And you know, you know, this is a level that I have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I just can't get there. And, And then you have, you know, the, the fear of intimacy, depending on the degree to which your assault or rape happened. You're not comfortable with intimacy. I, I'm not, I wasn't ever since my second attack happened. That was a huge problem for me because in my mind, it is associated with what happened to me. And even though I love this person and I know this person loves me and they would not hurt me, I know that deep in my soul, but my mind says, however, Let's remember these things that happen. And so intimacy is a huge thing. And, and I think that's where people just, they don't want to talk about it. It's okay if you have intimacy issues, like do not pressure yourself because then what it feels like 
if you pressure yourself or it feels like it's all happening all over again, but unfortunately it's with someone that you love and then you're going to end up resenting this person because they take you back to where you prayed, begged, pleaded, screamed to get out of. And now you're back there. You're back on that hamster wheel of all the thoughts. And, you know, fear is a huge thing. It is a little word that packs a huge amount of power. I was afraid of the dark for the longest time. Actually, I am still partially afraid of the dark. I will not go into a building that does not have any lights on in it. I was attacked in the dark. And so instantly when I am in the dark, I park under street lamps. If I'm in a parking lot, I park under the parking lot light. And then I don't walk with my head down. I don't walk with them on my cell phone. I'm not taking a call because if you are walking that way and you have your head bent and you're not paying attention, you are a prime target for someone to, you're distracted. And that's a lot of you're distracted and that's what they want. They want you to be distracted because then you do go into that freeze mode. But if you're walking and you're paying attention, you know, they're going to kind of think about you a little later than someone that is not. And so I had to learn those things and the fear my, if I come into a dark room, I don't do haunted houses anymore, which is terrible, Melissa, because I love Halloween, (laughs) but I cannot do the haunted houses that are pitch black because my heart will race to the point where I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. And I, I just, I don't do it. I precursor to everybody. If you don't have a light on in your house, you're going to have to go in first turn a light on. I don't care. It's a little light from your lamp or whatever, your overhead light. Then I'll come in because I'm not coming in full-blown anxiety mode and have a breakdown. And then whatever we have planned is totally not going to happen. You're probably going to have to call my counselor or get me in touch with somebody to talk me out of this attack because this is just not going to go well. And so that's a big thing too, like fear. People forget about that. It's not just fear that you were attacked you're afraid. I mean, you are generally afraid of whatever circumstance you're in. And if you're still stuck in that mode of having to be, see my, even my chihuahua agrees. He's just like, you say it girl. (laughs) He's just like, she's right. Uh, You know, and if, if you are in a circumstances where your perpetrator is still in your life, that's just a very difficult, very, cause you're just in that heightened mode all the time. And, you know, counseling worked for me, um, but the struggles, they are real. There's yeah. fear, you know, every day I wanted to die. I wanted to die. I, I didn't know how to get myself out of this. You know, I had been through counseling before and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going there again. And I was just like, I want to die. I want to be gone. I don't want to be here. I don't know how to handle it because you have so many competing emotions. You have anger, you have rage, you have fear, you have shame. You know, all of those are very powerful, negative emotions. And if you don't have a positive outlet to let those things go, you're in a, you're in a tornado, an F5 tornado, and you're just waiting to dose out some destruction and you know, that was hard. I I knew I wouldn't do it because I had contemplated that in my twenties. And I remember the look on my mom's face when she had to come get me. It wasn't disappointment in me as a daughter. I think it was just trying to recollect in her mind, like, this is not you, like you, this is not you, you would never go here. And so I knew I didn't want to do that again, but it didn't change the fact that every day I woke up, I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to die. And that's a whole nother taboo talking point that people don't want to ever associate that even when you're surviving, you still may not want to survive. You may want to just be like, I'm taking the road out of here. And, and that's one of the main points of this episode, right? Is Mm -hmm. you can survive a sexual assault, but you need to survive being a survivor, Right. right? When you are sexually assaulted, you lose your sense of identity. You lose your sense of safety. You lose your sense of comfort. You lose your sense of trust in yourself Mm -hmm. and everyone else. And when I say that, I want to highlight again, you lose your trust in everybody else, but more importantly, you lose your trust in yourself, right? 
Because again, you you're sure conditioned did. to think, what did I do wrong? How, yep. how come this is happening to me? So I heard there was a, 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 a person, so I live in Canada, uh-huh. right? So we had a couple massive, massive uh, wildfires a few years ago in Northern Alberta. And there was one in Slave Lake. And then a couple of years later, there was, there was one in Fort McMurray. When Fort McMurray um, was under fire, we, there was a, somebody who did an article and on mm-hmm. the article, they said, you don't need to prepare what you're going to do during the fire. You right. need to prepare what you're going to do after the fire. And she made it a point or he, I, I can't remember. So I, I apologize. It's but, okay. <laughs> um, they said, you need to realize that you're probably not going to get into your house. If you have a house standing, you're not going to get into your house for four weeks. And if you do, right. you're going to have to throw out your fridge or, or massively clean it mm-hmm. because there's going to be no electricity and all your food's going to be bad. She said the smell you're going to have mm-hmm. to try to get out of your house. Um, she said, not only are all of those things, it's going to take you months to do all of those things. She said, your sense of security is broken and gone because the one place you thought you were safe is no longer safe. Right. You aren't. Sexual assault is the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So not only are you battling your sense of trust of yourself, your sense yep. of self, your fear, your anxiety, the panic, the trust of other people, the ridicule and rejection and all mm-hmm. of those things as an everyday person who hasn't been a victim of sexual assault or, or, a you know, or like right. we've all had a traumatic event, but think of how you handle everyday stressors, right? Mm-hmm. Think yep, of yep. what happens when something positive happens and you lose your sense of identity. When you become an entrepreneur or a business owner, mm-hmm. you lose your sense of identity for a little while because you're putting everything into that, right? Right. Yep. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. but you still struggle to get your sense of right. identity back. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take and say, you know, I didn't choose to be a victim. I lost all of my sense of identity. Mm-hmm. That's an even bigger struggle. Not only that, but now oh, you yeah. have to deal with what does this person think about me? What if I say this? What if I don't say this? Oh my God, what am I going to do? For sexual assault survivors, Sharing Mm -hmm. your story is an inspiration. And the reason it is such an inspiration is because one, everyday people who haven't been a victim don't know what it's like. Mm -hmm. They don't know what words to Mm -hmm. use. They don't know how to touch you. They don't know how to be there for you. And so what happens is they're either too much or they're not enough, right? right? That's why you're treated like a leper because those people don't understand what you need and don't want to trigger you mm-hmm. in, intentionally or unintentionally. So they just don't do anything. Yeah. They, right? they just, they're like, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. what to give you. I yep. don't know how to be around you. And you know, you don't even know how to be around yourself at that point. You know, how do you live in a society that you're afraid to live in? Like you are fearful of everything trust is huge. Like I don't trust easily. I still don't. And that's actually become a strength for me because you have to earn my trust and know that in our relationship, there will be serious boundaries put in not to keep you out, but to protect myself. And, you know, I have strong, strong boundaries. I'm a strong personality. And so, and I'm also very brash. Like I don't sugarcoat anything because here's the thing, people think because what you see on TV and what you're told in society that surviving sexual assault and rape is like butterflies and unicorns and this beautiful rainbow that comes into your life. No, it isn't. It's like you're on a boat that a shark is trying to take and you're trying to decide, I don't like to swim, but I'm taking my chances in the water and try to swim my way to a boat or to a shore or find something. And in all this time, I'm going to figure out why I put myself here. And so, I mean, that's a huge thing. You're afraid to live in the society that you have to go function in. You have to go to work. You have to be around people. 
And how do you tell them, you know, you don't want to walk into your employer and say, I don't want to be around any of these you people because I, you know, some guy tried to rape me over the weekend and then they're looking at you like you're a leper. Now you don't want to work there. You don't want to talk to people and everybody treats you with like kid gloves. And, and that's just not what you need because that just swings the pendulum the completely other way. And so now you're disconnected. You're having trouble functioning on a daily basis. And then you go to the other extreme. You put on the mask, not an actual mask, but you put on a mask, you, you put the clothes on and you get the compliments. Like you look great today. And, and you're like, oh, you know, but inside you're like, yeah, because I'm trying to cover everything that I don't want people to see, you know? So I'm going to pick the nicest outfit I can be in to try to teach myself. Like, it's okay to still be me. I just have some baggage now. I have some baggage that I have to unpack with people that are trained to help me and to be able to do that and know that it's not like you come home from vacation, you pack and you put everything away and it's sweet, jolly, kumbaya, everything's going great. You're unpacking and then you're having to deal with what you just took out of the suitcase. You close the suitcase, deal with the other stuff in the next session. And you're dealing with all of this stuff, which is overwhelming in itself. And so the best thing I ever learned was how to recognize your triggers and how to put yourself in a safe place when you are triggered, because, you know, they'll take you back there quicker than anything else will. You're right. Someone touches you the wrong way. They don't know if you're out in public, they don't know. They happen to touch you where they touched you and you know, you're flying off the handle and they're just like, oh my gosh, all I did was like pat you on the shoulder. And you're, you don't want to tell them like, I'm sorry. Uh, So for me, it just reached a point where I didn't want to leave my house. Like I said, I didn't want to live. I didn't want to leave my house. I didn't want people to think differently of me, even though like, you don't know if they do, you tell yourself they do, but you know, they don't know. They know as much as you're going to tell them. Yeah. You know, I ended up telling my church group and because I felt like that was a very safe place for me to be around people that I was close to. And, you know, they came along me in a spiritual way. And then I got a recommendation to a counselor and, and she just said, this is not going to be a comfortable journey. Like for me, it was easier to discuss the healing with a third party who didn't know a thing about me other than I just want to talk to you about how can I live after experiencing this? I don't need you to unpack my childhood. I don't need you to unpack my failed marriages and my divorce. And I don't need you to unpack that stuff. I need you to help me figure out how to live and want to live. And she said, you have to want to live. I can teach you how to live and the things that you need to do, but you have got to want to live. And that's the first decision that I had to make. Like I had to say, you know, do I want to live? I don't want to commit suicide. And that I will say is a very natural thought after you have gone through this trauma because you don't know how to do it. We're not equipped for that type of trauma. That's why we have professionals and experts that can help us. We're just not equipped to deal with all of that stuff. You know, when you're a happy person and all you have is all this negativity and you have no outlet, you get what you sow. <laughs> you know, you're sowing negativity, negativity comes into your life. And, and so I was fortunate to have people brought into my life that were able to deal with that because anger is a beast um, that if you unleash that beast, that's just never, never, ever good. And so I said, I'm very analytical. I don't let emotions come into my decision-making. And now that's all that's happening. My emotions are overruling everything. I can't think straight. I don't want to eat. You know, I was addicted to food in my twenties and early thirties, you know, I was, I used to be almost 400 pounds because I ate myself through unhappiness. And I did not want to go back to that again, because I knew where that would lead and all the medical issues I had. And so you really just, you're just stuck in like this tornado cesspool that you're like, please just drop me off somewhere, like throw me out of the tornado and just put me somewhere, a broken house or whatever. Let me find some solid ground. And for me, that was a counselor and definitely the SARN group, because here's what I learned. You know, when you tell regular people, not other survivors, you know, you can kind of 
sense a change in them for a little bit and they don't know what to say and then you're in uncomfortable situations but if you surround yourself with people that have gone through this and they know what you're feeling what you're thinking what you're wanting to do and you can just go into a very safe place and just be yourself and just let that stuff out you know those people become like an extra family for you you don't have to put on the mask. You don't have to sugarcoat anything. You don't have to put your truth somewhere in a lie that you're telling people about how you feel, hoping that they'll pick up on the right part of the sentence. You know, you don't have to do that. You find people that know what you're going through that they can understand. Like if you need a breakdown moment, you can break down with these people because they're probably gonna break down with you, (laughs) you know, because they're gonna be that way. And it's not easy. It is never easy. It's not an easy journey. And honestly, I will say after all these years, I think because it was a hard journey, I learned a lot about myself. I learned and oh, before I get there, let's talk about worth. You don't feel like you're worth anything to anybody or any cause, any mission, anything. You're just like, I am worthless. They've taken everything from me. And in that moment, they did. And, you know, and then you got to deal with worth issues, which those are kind of important issues, you know? And so I remember my counselor told me, she said, look, as long as you give these people space to rent in your head, they will control you until you evict them. And so, you know, we're talking a couple years down the road, I'm still stuck on things that happened. And she said that person that attacked you is still controlling your life because you give him space in your mind to do that. You need to evict him. And it's very easy to say whole nother story to do. You know, it took, it took years for me to do that. I was like, at first I looked at her and I'm like, are you freaking crazy? Have you lost your mind? I (laughs) like, I'm here to talk about healing and you're talking about evicting people. (laughs) So I don't do the eviction method. I do a little bit differently, right? Um, My method is anger. I I love anger, right? Because I know how, and and I can teach people how to harness that anger for Mm -hmm. positive, right? Yep. So what, like, as you're talking about the self-worth, right? And him renting space in your head, I'm thinking about, okay, if if that was my situation, because I'm very analytical too. Right. Very irritating (laughs) at times. Um, but I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, if that if that man had space in my head and he had done to me what he did to you, I would be like, dude, no. And I I'd probably every time I thought of him, I'd probably just picture myself killing him. Right. Right. And just like, okay, if you ever come near me again, I'm gonna shank you. Like it just right, right. Like you're done, dude. Right. And just, and finding the power in that anger. Right. And mm-hmm. saying, I, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Like I'm, you yeah. know what I mean? And looking back and saying, I'm not going to freeze if this ever happens again, I'm not going to do this. Right. And keeping that power in my head. Now, if it did happen again and you did freeze again, then so be it. Right. Right. But you'd have that ability to tap in that power if you needed it. Right. Yep. And the thing is, For a lot of sexual assault survivors, if you had fought back, would you have survived? Exactly. That's the one thing you don't ask yourself. Right? You don't know. Like, I knew that if we went in the house, (laughs) one of us wasn't coming out. Yeah. Um, So in my head, I knew that. And, And so then I had to sit and think, like, you know, what happened sucked. It was terrible. I mean, it took everything from me, but it did not take my life. Yeah. And for that, I was grateful. Like I still had a life. I just needed to learn to take the power back. Yeah. Stop giving power away to people for free. I needed to take that back for myself. So, you know, I took RAD, the rape aggression defense system training, where it's just all women and they reenacted how I was, how they Oh, I like the aggressive part. Give it to you. And so I took that and I had to learn like, okay, this is, you know, and the instant that he said things in my ear, cause I froze it for, I froze. And I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. 
And then he said stuff in my ear and I was like, oh, H, no, buddy. Uh-uh. And I was like a feral cat. I come up swinging and, and all of that. So there are, there are things in place. And That's for empowering. Me, it, was, it is. It's empowering to know that mm-hmm. if you are uncomfortable, deep down in your mind and in your soul, you know techniques that will, you're not meant to like beat the crap out of them. You're meant to hit and go. Give yourself time to start to get away because, you know, you don't want to have, you don't want to get in the car because you're probably not coming out of the car, but learn how to defend yourself for that. And so I just learned for that. And once I decided to take the power back, I started going to restaurants. I would sit in the back and I would watch how people interacted in society and see what they did. How did they carry themselves? How did they dress? How did they speak? What were their mannerisms? And slowly I would move closer to the counter. And then eventually I was able to sit at the counter and talk to people. And that's not a month. That's not a day. It's not a year. It took long time to learn how to do that. So I had to learn how to reintegrate myself into society and all the while empowering myself because I'm in control now. I've taken the reins and I'm going to make it happen. You know, the bruises had long faded, the emotions I had learned to deal with. But the mental scars, they're the hardest to deal with because it's hard to get that talk out of your head. And so I had to learn how to do that for myself and how to get that better. I'm very careful about who I let into my life. I have no problem going into any event now and just being around people. I know that when my intuition kicks up, I need to take notice of what's happening around me. You know, you learn to trust your intuition more because your body is telling you something. And in that moment, it wants you to stop and think. And so I had to do that. And I think the key word is I had to do that. Nobody did it for me. And that's what moved me out of victim mentality into survivorhood, because I don't want to be known as a victim. That means I'm controlled by something that happened to me. I want to be a survivor because now I control the circumstance that happened to me and how I come out of it. But it's okay for you and anybody else to say, I was a victim Yep, because you were, you were a victim. I was a victim. And then this is the part I love about spoken word and written word. I was a victim comma, but it's that whole comma and but part that is so powerful because that means something else is coming. Mm -hmm. And so I was a victim and I tell people I was a victim, but I am a survivor. And for that, I need to be congratulated. I need to be celebrated. I need to be an inspiration because when you can survive what happened to you and then survive the survival, then you have made your way and you can go on to live a flourishing life you know, I'm a writer, I speak, I'm a writing coach, I'm a mentor, I'm heavily involved in ministries. I can do all of those things because and I made a decision. I know. And what's Put happening with back. your book? Yes. And my book is being adapted for television. Two screenwriters picked it up on a random phone call. So don't let society or people tell you your life is over because you're a victim of sexual assault. No, it isn't. That day of your life is over because that happened to you. Now you get to go on a journey to learn about yourself all over again, because it truly does strip you down to nothing. And now you learn about yourself. You learn about your worth. And here's a saying I love, Melissa, know your worth and then add sales tax because you're worth the extra part. That's a great thing. You've got to know what your worth is for people. You do. You're more careful. I'm stronger physically, mentally. I can take a lot more. I learned about boundaries, how much they were important for me. I don't care if you misunderstand what boundaries are. You are healthy for me. You're a better version of yourself. You are. And that's what people don't understand. Um, Trauma sucks. And I don't wish Mm -hmm. trauma. I don't wish traumatic events. I don't wish any negativity on anybody. Well, okay, maybe a couple, but really not, (laughs) not many. Um, I'm a vindictive, volatile person. So maybe there's a couple, but at the same time, we we're all meant to experience these horrifyingly traumatic mm-hmm. events. Yep. And that's what teaches us. 
You know what I mean? Yes. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't blame. I don't shame. I don't judge. Yep. You know, I'm not going to sit here. You know, I feel bad. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely mm-hmm. feel bad that you went through that experience, but you, you, it's done. Right. It's, it's done. Right. Yep. And the difference the difference is, is that when you're a survivor, okay, so when you're a victim in the moment when you're a victim, because in mm-hmm. the moment you were a victim, right? Yep. In the moment of being a victim, you are a victim. Yep. And you should experience being a victim in that moment, not should, right. but you will, right. you will experience you recognize it, you feel yeah. it. When you were a survivor of being a victim, mm-hmm. The fact that you survived is strength, right? Right there. It's strength. But what we're talking about on this episode is that you revert to being weak, Mm -hmm. the victim mentality, the fear. And I'm not saying you are weak. Your mentality goes weak. Your victim mentality, the fear, the a loss of, of confidence, the loss of trust, the, all of your sense of identity, all of that, you are Mm -hmm. now in a weak victim mentality. And that is okay. It is natural. I was going to say normal, but it's natural. It's natural. So if it happens, don't feel more guilt. Don't feel more blame. Ask for the help that you need to keep going, surviving, being a survivor. So not only have you survived, and I'm talking to you specifically, right. <laughs> not only have you survived a traumatic event, right? That's mm-hmm. that here you were before. Now you're here in the strength level. Right. Mm-hmm. Then you survived being a survivor. Yep. How much higher does that shoot your strength? Oh, People it does. don't see that about themselves. Right. They don't. It's so hard. It is very hard to see that about yourself. Um, But, you know, you're an expert in what happened to you. You know, I'm an expert in what happened to me. I can talk about it. And I'm much stronger because I can talk about it with people. I can be that beacon to people. And it's so hard for you to see how strong you are. But for me, it all comes down to power. Knowledge is power. And I have the knowledge to know that I, I, I was a victim in that time. I was a victim and I was in victim mentality for a long time. And then when people started speaking about power and I watched other people get better. And then I kept asking myself, why am I holding myself back from doing that mm-hmm. or surpassing that and going to what is destined for me? Because I can't stop beating myself up for a decision that I made and I had to forgive myself not for making a bad decision in that moment of walking out in the dark but for making the bad decision that I kept beating myself up about it you can't move on you can't do things until you forgive yourself for keeping yourself in that moment long after it has happened to you and that was really the game changer that was after that I was like this will not define me. I'm not going to be known as Chrissy Ann Leonard, victim of sexual assault, author, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm going to be known as Chrissy Ann Leonard, author, speaker, mentor, all the great positive things afterwards. You're not going to attach the victim label to me because I'm worth more than that. I'm stronger than that. And I deserve better. Mm-hmm. And that was the game changer for me. And that's the power, right? Yep. It's the power. Um, you taking the power back, you realize how strong you are when you hold the cards now, yep. you know, you know, you're coming to the table to play a hand of poker and you're sitting with the perfect poker hand. You're in power. <laughs> you're going to run the table and that's how you have to think about it. You know, I'm going to run my life because I know I'm strong enough. If that didn't kill me, I'm strong enough to make it through other things. And that was the big thing for me. Yeah. And one of the things I like to, to mention to survivors of domestic mm-hmm. violence, rape, any of that, right? Sexual assault, assault yep. of any kind. 
is that the person who did it does hold space in your in your head. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yep. they do. But one of the things that I say, especially when I'm doing relationship coaching, because yeah. <laughs> that seems to be a big one, is why in the world, if you didn't like them controlling your life then, right? why yep. in the world are they controlling your life now? Exactly. <laughs> why? You're giving them your power, them. right? And right. we own our power. And for, for anybody watching or catching the replay, it doesn't matter male or female. It doesn't matter yep. non-binary. I don't care who you are or what your beliefs are. We have the ability to tap into our own power. You yep. just have to find it. And when That's you it. find that power, your life is limitless, right. limitless to what you yep. can do. Now, everything changed for me that like, I'll just butt in real quickly for a minute mm -hmm. here. You know, God gave me a huge purpose and I am now able to go back. I call it the pain pocket, the pain pocket of what happened to me. Not that I'm in pain, but I can reach that level of pain to put that into my writing. So now when I write, I elicit emotions from the readers that I want you to feel when you're doing this. And I have to go back and visit that. You know, my book took eight years to write because I refused to go to that level. I didn't want to go there. And God kept pressing and pressing and pressing. And I said, fine, I'm going to do it. And my editors wanted me to go there. And then everything changed. The book became what it was supposed to be. And, you know, now it's going to be a TV series. I mean, how does that happen? You know, it's, it's not even a bestseller anywhere yet. Uh, but you get, that's where your power comes from, that you can go revisit yep. that time in your life and not be triggered and not feel that because it didn't kill you then. And now you're so much stronger and you're so much better. It's not going to kill you now. No, and that, that's, and, a, that's a huge thing. And don't get me wrong. There was a lady on TikTok that I saw the other day and she goes, she, she was very angry at the, what kills you doesn't make, what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. She goes, no, it makes me terrified. And it makes me, that is still a portion mm -hmm. of the victim mentality. Yep. Right. I'm not saying you have to take strength from what you've been through, no. but I want you to understand how much strength it takes to survive <laughs> what you went through. Mm -hmm. And that's anything, right? Something right. that could be small for you may be big for me. Yep. We all have different mentalities. We all have different ways of coping, different ways of expressing, different ways of experiencing things, right? If you have two That's twins, true. if you have identical twins, the same in every way, grow up in an alcoholic abusive household. One twin mm -hmm. becomes an alcohol and abusive. One twin doesn't touch alcohol or abuse anybody. Right. Yep. Ex same experiences, yep. different mentality right the yep. way they experienced it was different that goes with everything including sexual assault mm -hmm. it's a perspective shift mm -hmm. you know I could do what society tells me and stay in that perspective that you're never going to be anything you're not going to amount to anything because you have the stigma attached to your life and you're just not not capable nor are you ever going to be strong enough and you're not worth any of that stuff or I can flip my perspective to say Oh, okay. You don't think so? Well, I accept that challenge. And now I'm going to prove you wrong because I'm a very competitive person. And if you ever want to get my competitive juices flowing, just throw out a challenge there. And so for me, that's what you tell me I can't make it. Oh, I can make it. I can make it and I can be better than what I was that day. And I can be better than what I was before that day when I was actually doing really well. And now I'm even better because I'm a better, new, improved version of myself. Yep. And you said I couldn't do it. And now I proved you wrong. And that's what we're going to do. We're Too bad, that suckers. Right. <laughs> Too bad for you. I'm doing great. And I don't need that stigma attached to my yep. life. And yeah, so I agree, you know, yeah. power. In the words of my seven-year-old, see you later, suckers. Right. See you later, <laughs> suckers. I'm out of here. Yeah. I don't have time Shutting the door and leaving that um, room. <laughs> I, I have a, I don't know if you've ever heard of Bitmoji. I have one and it's my favorite one and I'll send it to my kids. And it's, ain't nobody got time for that shit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> not happen. Um, and it's one of my things, right? But I also grew up in the um, F around and find out uh, era. So mm -hmm. 
you know, I'm just like, let's, let's go. Let's try it. Let's see how this rocks. And right. Why wouldn't you want to know how far you could actually go in life? I started what you can accomplish. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, you have a talk show. This is the first talk show I've ever been on. So thank you. (laughs) Right. Who would have thought all those years ago when that terrible event happened to me that I would be sitting on a talk show talking about how my life has gotten better after all of that stuff. You You heard it here, all of you folks watching to my gist of family, you heard it here first. When I become the next Oprah Winfrey show and when Chrissy becomes the next JK Rowling with her letters to my father. There you go. We are, you heard it here first. (laughs) You call me back, I'll come back on. We'll, We'll do it again. Um, anything you'd like to add before we go? You know, I just want to add that just have realistic goals, small goals, set small goals, easier to accomplish. And and don't put the pressure of this. I have to get it done in this amount of time. Healing takes a really long time. And some parts, you know, I still have mental scars. But you know what they are? You know what a scar is? It's proof that you made it through the battle. And so it's okay to have scars. They're not nasty. They're not terrible. They're proof to you every day you get up that you made it through the battle and you come out on the other side. And that's really one thing to remember. And just ask for help. Don't feel so terrible in the stigma of help. Go ask for help. People are trained to help you. People can get you through the hardest part of it and help you learn how to take the power back for yourself. Don't ever feel that you're worth everything. You were put on this world to be worth everything. And it's fun when you're healed to learn exactly what that worth is and the things it can do. I mean, look, we're living proof of you can make it past it and you can thrive and flourish in a life that all those years ago, you couldn't even figure out how to sit in society. And now you're moving and grooving along. So, yeah. you know, just be kind to yourself. That's, that's a big thing. Be kind to yourself first. Yeah. Um, I don't normally do this, but I, I, I'm really, I need to at this point is yeah. I, so I own a Phoenix identity and mm-hmm. I work with mindset, mindset, perceptions, identity, all of that. I have a 12 month program called mm-hmm. Own Your Power. That is my most in-depth, my most transformative program you can possibly take with me that's going to get you from not knowing who you are Mm -hmm. to owning, embracing, and empowering your strength in every way possible, right? It is, uh, and it's one-on-one, it is, it's, if anybody wants to restart reclaim right Mm -hmm. um with all my clients i go through a phoenix journey um i got the tattoo to even prove it um a phoenix journey is if the phoenix doesn't like the way its life is it burns it to the ground it reclaims its identity as a phoenix and it builds it new that doesn't mean you have to change your whole life it doesn't mean you have to change who you are you are reclaiming who you are and getting rid of all the crap that no longer works for you. Yep. For anybody interested in that, please reach out to me. Um, all right. So our sponsor today is, of course, Chrissy Ann Leonard and her book, <laughs> uh, Letters to My Father. I am so excited for this book. I'm probably going to have to go and, and order it myself. Other than that, I might just watch the movie because I don't know yet. I don't know yet. But, but we'll get there. Um, for anybody great. who's interested in reading letter, Letters to My Father, trust me, you're going to want to. It's an amazing book about writing your story at the worst possible moment mm-hmm. in a letter and having two people bring it to your doorstep. And it, yep. it, it sounds so magical. So go and check that out. Link in the description. Use the code live TV to get $3 off of a signed copy of the book. Again, link in the description. If you would like to reach out with my other myself or Chrissy, our contact information is in the links of this video. So go and check that out. If you would like to be a part of the show, or if you would like to see a topic featured on the show, as you can see, we talk about tab- taboo topics 
that people don't want to talk about because inclusion, diversity, no judgment, safe space. We need to start talking about these things to make people aware that it is okay not to be okay. There is help and you are not alone. That is what the show is all about. So like and follow us on all our social media platforms. Christy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And please contact Melissa to get on the show or get your topic on the show. All right. Thank you so much, Chrissy. Just Thank friendly. You. This is your episode. I'm your host, Melissa Kretzler. I will see all of you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.